Everyone loves a big budget popcorn munching blockbuster hit full of explosions and CGI and an epic storyline. And then there are those movies on the other end of the storytelling spectrum. Quiet and serious, diving into hard subjects that may even make us uncomfortable. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host for the Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. Well, if you've been a Plugged In Show listener for long, you've probably picked up on our affection for franchises like Marvel and Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and maybe even a little bit of Harry Potter. Lots of Harry Potter. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you, Krista. <laughs> but there Sorry. is more to the movie universe than just these types of stories. Over the last several months, for example, we have reviewed a number of really under-the-radar dramas. Well, in COVID, everything's under the radar, <laughs> so I guess that's all of them. But these movies have dealt with issues of memory loss and dementia. They may not be feel-good stories, at least in the way we normally think about that description, but they're important stories in that they're addressing struggles that many of us are facing today. So we're going to be talking about several of these movies, as well as the value and potential problems of movies that try to tackle serious, important issues related to memory loss and mental health. Joining me for our conversation today are Paul Acey, Kristen Smith, and Jonathan McKee. What was the last serious movie you watched that made you cry and why? It's the time we're going to get real right now. Oh, Paul, my. you going first? <sighs> you know... <laughs> I have to because it's so fresh in my mind. It happened yesterday. I know. I think I called you, you cried in the midst yesterday? of it. And I'm yes. like, Paul, what just happened? <laughs> it really, it's really embarrassing. And, and it's not a movie that you would think that a lot of people would cry through. It was I was reviewing the map of Tiny Perfect Things on Amazon. That does sound that. like a sad movie. So sad. So <laughs> Everything's sad. very small. Very... <laughs> it's so sad. Oh, my gosh. But perfect. But it's, a, perfect. it's a powerful combination. It was tiny and perfect. <laughs> no, it's a very strange sci-fi teen romance dramedy. This is not something that I was expecting to get weepy. Wow, that actually with... makes it way more interesting. It, it was actually a pretty <laughs> Especially interesting Especially the movie. sci-fi part. Yeah. Has some problems. Read the plugged-in review. It, it, you know, it's not for everybody. But, but it touched me in a weird sort of way. And... and I hate it when that happens in some ways because, you know, you're writing the review, you're trying to type out your notes, and all this time tears are streaming down <laughs> your face, and you're counting these profanities. Oh, there's another one. <laughs> sniffle, sniffle, sniffle. very, very awkward. Very, very awkward. Wow. Wow is right. Um, okay, so my movie wasn't serious, but Toy Story 4, oh. I wept, and I was very angry at that movie. I just want the, the makers the Pixar to know um, that we sat down with my son and I'm thinking like, yeah, this is Toy Story 4. He's going to be really into it. First of all, it took forever. And then at the very end, Buzz and Woody are separated. And I just, me and my husband looked at each other and we were both crying. I'm not kidding. And he was like, what a disappointment. My son is like already, he was like two and a half. He doesn't even care. He's like playing at this point. We're like hooked weeping it was so sad no i i gotta interrupt there because isn't it weird that you would think that your kids would have yeah. like these tender hearts right they would be more sensitive to things but that they, they have see to on be screen. paying attention first right yeah <laughs> i tell you what these pixar movies They're kids so can watch sad. them they'll laugh throughout the entire thing it'll yeah. be fine 
every Pixar movie I watch just gets me right, All of them. right no. in the gut. And especially if you've like grown with Buzz and Woody and then they're separated. Anyway, it was sad. That's awesome. That that does sound sad. Yeah, I think. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, uh, Yeah, it does. It just it sounded very compassionate, and empathetic to me. I know. I realize. Um, That's great, Kristen. That's yeah, great. no, I I think for me it was when I was watching, you know, Terminator: Dark Fate, and That's it. Uh, when once oh, again Schwarzenegger was once again dying, and okay, maybe not. Okay, so. Um, for just a uh, second, I thought you were serious. I like that yeah, one. yeah, yeah. You really did. You well. thought I was going there. Um, but no, um, uh, I am a wuss confession. Uh, I am weepy. <laughs> and I literally probably cried during two Super Bowl commercials, uh, um, you know, back when that was on. I mean, I, I just I, I cried cry. at how terrible they were. I do all the time. I'm like, um, you know, the movie where Will Ferrell is the father and he like cries all the time. Uh, th- that's me. Okay. I- I'm, <laughs> I- I'm not Mark Wahlberg. I'm Will Ferrell. Um, but, um, I, uh, I-, I do. And it's funny that you say, Chris, you said Toy Story 4, that, that my family makes fun of me because the scene in Toy Story 3 where they're all about ready to go into the fire oh, and they yeah. reach out oh, and, and they grab Hashtag each other's not hands. not a children's movie. I burst into tears. <laughs> I literally, I burst into tears, and my daughter just started laughing at me. And that is amazing. Started, but I was like, no, they're going to hold each other's hands in this dark moment. <laughs> kind of like when, like when Schwarzenegger looked at Kyle Reese. No, okay, um, but... Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, you can name any film I've seen of recently, and I mean, on, I was watching the the war movie 1917. I cried. Ford versus Ferrari. You know, when a certain thing happened, I don't want to give a spoiler. I cried. You uh, cried way in back Ford versus Affleck Ferrari. Is, yes. Leave them alone. <laughs> Come on. People oh, sorry. Are sensitive. Now there I'm was an cry ex- shaming. There, there was an explosion. <laughs> And I cried. Um, uh, uh, the way back with Ben Affleck when he was like, you know, like having this moment where he was like impacting kids and oh, kids' yeah, lives yeah. have been changed. I cried. I mean, so yeah, I can't name one film. Name a film. I Sounds cried. Like you're, naming, okay. you're naming all of them. <laughs> yeah, I cried. So. Well, for me. It was in Cobra Kai when Allie with an eye came back. No, not really. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, No, I think the last one that I cried in was a Vietnam War movie, which are like, there's like a factory. Those movies always make you cry. If you're not crying at the end of a Vietnam War movie, you're not paying attention. Um, But it was called The Last Full Measure. And the whole story is about uh, a number of soldiers who are like 40 years after the fact trying to get a comrade who died in combat, they're trying to get him a posthumous medal of honor. And there's a a government worker who's traveling around and hearing all their stories. And man, it just got me. And again, sometimes it sneaks up on you. Like you're not even really paying attention to your emotions. And then you're just straight up boohooing, you know? And if you're watching something with your kids, they're like looking at you like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's a dad thing, but I'm always paying attention to my emotions. And it doesn't sneak up on me. I just cry. So <laughs> I don't know if you guys are trying to like suppress it, but I'm just weeping. So over I don't the think corner. there's any suppression. I just think that we're not paying attention. Yeah. So sometimes when I'm when I'm watching one of these movies with my kids, I, I actually just sort of try to pretend like I'm itching my eye. I'm gently or... dabbing my eye. Exactly, exactly. Oh man, it's just so dusty in here. Oh, not not 
not me. I just full I full on grabbed the box of Kleenex and started bawling. <laughs> it seems like we could have had an entire podcast on this question. But uh, alas, I am going to move us into the meat of our conversation <laughs> now. Uh, you know, the movie business is a funny thing because every now and then it seems like we get this uh, confluence of stories that are all dealing with the same subject. Yeah. And that happened recently with three films that came out almost back to back to back that all dealt with the subject of dementia in mm-hmm. some ways, which you wouldn't think would be particularly, you know, cinematic, you know, right. how do you film somebody losing their memory? Well, we may talk about that. And as it turned out, uh, our very own Paul AC reviewed all of those movies. And he even wrote about those similarities in a January blog post it plugged in titled dementia is having a cinematic moment. What Christian families can take away from it. And that blog post was the genesis of our conversation today, and I am I am deeply hopeful that uh, you can take something away from it, too, that might encourage you to think about these stories in a different way, or perhaps how movies that are not full of explosions sometimes work on us in deep and subterranean ways in our soul that maybe nudge us toward paying attention to something that God wants us to see in our lives. So, Paul, the three films I'm talking about are Relic, which was an unusual horror movie, the Life Ahead, and a movie coming out next week called The Father, starring Anthony Hopkins, which you quite like. Tell us a little bit about that film in particular and how it deals with the issue of memory loss as we age. So we'll likely be hearing quite a bit about The Father as the months wear on because it's one of the big Oscar hopefuls, right? Already we're in awards season. We're seeing a lot of a lot of energy toward this movie. As you said, it stars Anthony Hopkins. Olivia Coleman stars as Anthony Hopkins' Is she the daughter. queen? She is not the queen. <laughs> she is a put-upon caretaker caring for this man who is slowly losing his memory. And I think the beautiful thing about this movie and the difficult thing about this movie was that that it really tells the story from from the father's perspective. Mm. And as such, it almost has sort of this sci-fi feel, like unfamiliar people walk through his door. He has no idea who they are. So they're trying to kind of replicate what memory loss feels like. Is that correct? That's exactly right. And we see as his mind is slowly deteriorating, how his reality changes and how disturbing it would be. You can understand one of the, one of the symptoms of dementia or Alzheimer's is that, is that you go through these incredible mood swings and you can kind of understand how some of the, the perceptions that you go through can contribute to that. Because when your world is changing, every time you open your eyes, hmm. it's going to, you know, make you mad and confused and, and lash out at times. And, yeah. and so it shows a very compassionate look at the father as he's going through this time. But it shows a deep compassion for the daughter as well, hmm. because she's dealing with something unimaginable and watching her father slowly slip away from her. So sad. Well, and it, it seems like that these kind of movies, especially when they're done with that kind of artistry, perhaps one of the values that they give us is they enable us to understand something in a way that we couldn't. Uh, and it sounds like this one in particular really accomplishes that. And I think, um, I think that when other people have suffered with something that we haven't dealt with, 
maybe it can be hard to empathize. You know, I can empathize with people who are going through something that I've gone through, but if I haven't gone through the struggle, it's kind of an abstraction. And yeah. so I think that the first, you know, potential value of these movies is they humanize us for it. You know, I, I uh, and Paul didn't pay me to say this, but I can't help but think of Paul's book. He just wrote Beauty and the Browns. Uh, Paul, you in your book really helped me do exactly that. You, I was able to jump into kind of your shoes and walk a little bit and, and see what it's like to kind of um, feel some of these burdens and, and walk through this as a Christian. And, and uh, man, I tell you something. I mean, I honestly, uh, it's been a rough year the last year. And the, your book helped me do that, to help me kind of, you know, see, man, what is it like to, to feel some of this, uh, s- some of the browns in life, <laughs> some of these depressing moments and walk through them. And I think it's interesting how sometimes a lot of people don't have healthy ways of escape and, and movies can be a way where they kind of, they look at some of these characters and they go, wow, I've never, I've never thought what if it's, what it's like to be this person. And, um, and I just tell you, man, uh, I loved Paul, how in your book, um, you helped me do that. You helped me kind of jump and step into somebody else's shoes. And for, for some people, movies are the only way to do that. Um, but I think it's something that we as believers need to be able to do is, is look, there's people out there that are struggling and we need to kind of, you know, be able to step in their shoes and say, what's it like uh, to be this person walking through this moment? That's really good. Man, thank you so much, Jonathan. I feel I feel like I should pay you now, but, <laughs> but you, could, I, you could take me to lunch. <laughs> but I do think getting getting to to what you were saying, Adam, that that is the power of story. That is the power of these cinematic stories that that confront us sometimes. Um, I've never been in war. War movies help me understand what it would be like. And sometimes that can be really hard to deal with. Um, but I think that there's a value to it as well. And in, in when you're talking about someone actually telling their story, putting themselves out on the line, bringing forth characters that you really care about as what, ha- as what happens in The Father, it does help you put yourself in their shoes. And I think whenever you have empathy for somebody else, that's always a good thing. So I know we're talking about movies, but I'm going to mention a book because this is like the most recent thing I've, I've read with um, dementia and Alzheimer's. Um, I read In the Mountains Echoed. It's from the writer of The Kite Runner. It's extremely sad. Like I started crying. As, as was The Kite Runner. Yes, The Full Kite disclosure. Runner, all of them are extremely sad. But I started reading it and emotionally did not know if I could read the whole thing. And every night I sit reading it, my husband's like, why are you doing this to yourself? I'm like sitting in bed crying. He's like, just <laughs> Do something else. I'm like, no, I want to finish it. But at the end of this book, um, this like main character who had had all these experiences that needed to be redeemed, he lost his memory. Mm. And there wasn't any redemption, at, at least for him in that moment. For other characters, there were. But it was so heartbreaking to me. And I've also seen films where there's, you know, memory loss. Um, and I think for me, when I see something like that, um, because I have a few people in my my life as well that have lost their memory and they don't they don't get to hold on to this. For me, it's like if you're older, you you want to think back and reflect on your life, all the things that you did, hold on and cherish these moments, and you don't get to do that. That's so sad. And when I see something like that or I read something like that, it makes me really thankful for what I have. Mm. And I think for I think that's probably the most powerful thing to to 
if you're not thankful or grateful, and I have those moments all the time where I'm not <laughs> really grateful. All I have to do is wake up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not really grateful for the fact that I slept four hours or that my kids were being crazy or whatever. But if you really take the time to, to engage with that, you see, wow, I have, I have so much. I'm so rich in all of these areas. I really want to appreciate that before it's gone. Absolutely. I, I, lo- I love that, that uh, Kristen, you're saying you're not, you didn't just watch the screen and walk away and go, okay, next, you know, you actually were impacted and it made you think about your own life and it made you want to, you know, be a better mom, yeah. be a better wife, you know, it, and, and, uh, I think it's good when movies do that. I, I can't help but think of when I, uh, first watched the notebook, um, oh, yeah. yeah, I bawled. Yeah. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Appropriate. And, yeah, you know, like just like Toy Story three and, um, uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, obviously that dealt a lot with, you know, uh, memory loss, uh, mm-hmm. Alzheimer's and, and, um, that, okay. Spoiler alert. If you have not seen, you know, the notebook, you just got to go out and see it. I am going to spoiler it right here, but, but you know, the last <laughs> scene, you know, there's that scene near the end where her memory comes back for a moment oh, yeah. and they have that moment together. And then the last scene in the movie, do you remember? Yes. They're lying in bed together and they die together. And, and we always, to, literally to this day, my wife and I are like, that's how we're going to go right there. We're going <laughs> to die together I think if anyone at the saw same that, time. they felt that way. I mean, that's Nicholas yeah, and, Sparks and in our, you, right? in our family, it's the thing we say, that, that's how we're going to die right well, there, it, like that movie. So I just cracked a joke about Nicholas Sparks, but I had a chance to interview him a while back. And I, I straight up asked him, why does somebody always die <laughs> in your stories? And uh, I, I'm not recalling all of the details, but he, it's an issue that he has really dealt with. Yeah, in a his lot of life. tragedy. And so sometimes I think storytellers are doing it as much for themselves as for us. They're trying to work through their own stuff and their own issues with loss and grief and that sort of thing. Absolutely. And I and, and when that happens, that's what brings the story its power when yeah. it becomes so personal. And as we talk about these movies about dementia, about Alzheimer's, about losing your memory, Kristen, I think that so many people can can put themselves in your shoes because I I, I believe, I know that I have people in my own life who have dealt with that as well. Mm-hmm. And even as these movies help us to step in someone else's shoes if we're not familiar with it, they can be cathartic tools in a way to help you deal with what you're dealing with. So many, so many of of, of of the biggest moments in our lives, right? We're busy dealing with those moments. We don't necessarily have time to process. When you're dealing with someone with, with Alzheimer's, you're caring for them all the time. And yeah. I, I think there's something sweet about the notebook. <laughs> it is very Hollywood, though. And I think for most people, that's that's just not how it is when you're when you're dealing with something like Alzheimer's or dementia. You don't have that, like sweet ending that you know is romanticized and so i think it's it's so important like you're saying like yes people can probably see this and relate to it there's probably some that don't want to because they're they're struggling with it so i think it's it's so good that you can take away um in remembering that you you can be grateful for what you have but knowing that this isn't the end and so if the person that you love if their if their life isn't ending the way that you would want it for them that we have the hope of eternal glory. Like it's going to be different. 
Well, and and it is, you know, there, there's there lies the gap between fantasy and reality, you know, and some films try to, of course, say, well, this is what reality would be like. But, you know, there's the fantasies like The Notebook where, you know, they end up together like mm-hmm. that beautiful and, and and that's great. But then there's sometimes the realities that people are trudging through daily yeah. where they feel alone in this and they feel, you know, and, and that's where we, you know, have an opportunity to to. uh reach out and take some of this empathy we're feeling when we're Mm -hmm. watching these movies and oh i feel for that person we can do something about it yeah Uh, we can make a difference because there are people who are telling their stories like paul did in his book you know and when you read that and you 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 walk with little paul through his life and see (laughs) so so much through that you know and and see a guy who at the end says i can see beauty in the browns man Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, that impacted me and it made me feel like, Hey, you know what? I can reach out. I can find that little Paul out there. Cause maybe he's my neighbor, you know, maybe he's that kid I work with in ministry or whatever. And we can do something to make a difference. Uh, you know, we can be Jesus to that person. And, and, okay. um, so I, I think we need to do that. We need to not just leave that theater seat and go good movie. So what are we doing for dinner? You know, yeah. but be <laughs> impact and say, how can we make a change? And hopefully when we walk away from, a movie, whatever it is, like the beautiful day in the neighborhood or something like that. If we're impacted by how, Cried. you know, how Mr. Rogers mm-hmm. looked at people and, and gave them attention. Maybe we need to say, you know what? I want to give people attention like that. Yeah. Well, and I just want to step in and clarify for just a moment that Paul's book is not about dementia. It's about depression. Uh, yeah. And I think we've been focusing on uh, dementia and memory loss in this conversation, but I think everything we're saying also applies to movies that deal with deep mental health issues in general, whether we're talking about depression, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder. We've seen a lot of those movies in the last couple of years too. And, and, and all of these principles and ideas in terms of empathizing and relating and, and even processing our own emotions, I think, apply to those kind of movies as well. When yeah. you're dealing with these sorts of movies and, and these stories by extension, a lot of times when you have issues of mental illness, one of the things that happens within these movies as you're watching them, you don't necessarily know in your everyday life how to deal with some of these issues. Yeah. You don't know how to help somebody who's dealing with Alzheimer's. You don't know how to deal with somebody who's who's suffering from depression. Stories can help us better understand. And and one of the things that the, the movies that we've seen recently about Alzheimer's is it emphasizes that even though these people are losing who they were mm-hmm. bit by bit, step by step, because we are our experiences, we are our memories, even as that is happening and as we grieve that happening, as we're watching our, our friends and our family members die a little bit every day in a strange sort of way, mm-hmm. the movies that I've seen, The Relic, The Father, they emphasize that these are people still so valued not only for for who they were, but for who they are. They are still mm. loved by God and treasured by God and deserve our respect and attention. And these stories allow us, I think, in a way that, that real life doesn't always give us time to do, to see those beauties, you know, to get yeah. to those those beauties in those really dark places, to, to see the value in those experiences. I think it also allows us to practice selflessness. We're really not a culture that does that well. 
um, cares for the elderly, cares for generations. Um, whereas if you go somewhere else, you know, like you have a multi-generation families, like, like all in the same home. Um, but to have somebody who has served so well that if this is happening to them to, to step into a role that says, I'm going to put your needs first, even though, you know, it's so, it might come into like great contrast with like what you're trying to do every day. Um, but it really does, like you said, it allows you to step into someone else's shoes and to love them for who they are. Yeah. And I think at the outset, I was talking about the big blockbuster movies. You know, we we love those. They're escapists. They're fantastic. They're spectacles to look at. Um, but uh, spoiler warning, <clears throat> unless something really weird happens, I'm never going to be Captain America. <laughs> I, I'm never going to be Spider-Man. Uh, I hope I'm never the Vision because he's got that jewel in his head that gets ripped out. Another yeah, spoiler warning. Um, <laughs> spoiler but, warning. But I, but I think that what these movies do is they give us um, a very different glimpse at what heroism can look like in a quiet, one-on-one, incredibly dignified way. And Paul, what you're talking about and what we emphasize at Focus on the Family is that every human life has sanctity and dignity. Mm-hmm. And every human life, even though sometimes we can look at it and we can struggle to see the value, uh, we're created in God's image. And unfortunately in our world, we often don't relate to each other as image bearers. We do violence against each other in all kinds of big and small and metaphorical ways. Uh, but a movie like The Father, the heroism there is in a daughter who keeps showing up, who so is good. walking this unbelievable path that is so difficult. And I think the heroism in, uh, in our own stories, I had a, my grandfather took care of my grandmother for almost 10 years Mm. as Mm. she descended into Alzheimer's. And he did such a great job of taking care of her that for a long time, we didn't even realize how bad things were, but he did medicine for her. He did vitamins to try to keep her memory. You know, he became an expert in holistic medicine in his eighties, you know, because he wanted to preserve her mental function as long as possible. He never asked for attention. And it was only later that we realized how epically heroic that was. Now, nobody's ever going to make a movie of my grandfather's life, but it was an incredible thing. And I think that these movies, they can inspire us in our own difficult moments to stay the course and to be present. I, I remember a movie that profoundly impacted me. And sorry, I keep crossing the line and talking about mental health issues or just even no, just that's taking fine. care of people no, altogether, not necessarily Alzheimer's. But um, in the late 80s, you might remember there was a movie uh, with Ted Danson and Jack Lemmon called Dad. And uh, Ted Danson's dad, who is played by Jack Lemmon, um, ends up like having a heart attack and his health is questionable. So uh, Ted Danson's character ends up, you know, um, you know, putting his life on hold and helping his elderly dad. And then his son ends up returning. And so it's like it's the three generations together and his dad and you know, it starts having some, you know, grandpa starts having some serious issues. And there was some scenes in that movie that were just where basically you started to really think about uh, family and the importance of bonding. Mm-hmm. And, and man, it was a, it was a, it was a two Kleenex box uh, book, you know, <laughs> I mean, movie for me. Um, but it made me think about my relationship with my dad and, and thinking about how, Hey, time could be short and we need to spend time. And it, and it's interesting now me at 50 years old and my dad, you know, pushing towards 80, um, 
man, I, I want to get time with him right now yeah. because time is short. And, uh, and that's a movie that impacted me. And, and I think when we see something like that, when we hear that kind of story, um, it's good when we actually take action on it. Well, and sometimes a movie can stay with us a really long time. You're talking about a movie from, you know, 30 89. plus years ago. I, I'm not, I was an English major, so I can't do fast math in my <laughs> head. We'll call it 30 plus years ago. Um, you know, one of the ones that, that did that for me was as good as it gets, which came out in 1997 and Jack Nicholson plays, I think an exaggerated character in terms of the issue he's dealing with, which is obsessive compulsive disorder. And without going into a lot of depth, we have dealt with that issue firsthand in my family. Uh, And so I think you try to put something on screen and sometimes you have to blow it out to make it work as a movie. I don't know that I would say it was totally realistic, But there were certain things in that movie that really resonated with me. And at one point, Helen Hunt, who I think is a single mom, it's actually been probably 30 years since I've seen that one. (laughs) Um, But I remember this interchange. They're talking about how do we deal with this problem? And especially when we're dealing with mental health, um, there is hope that if we get medication and get counseling, that things can maybe progress to a healthier place. But there's also a realization, I think, for those of us who have it in our family or if you're dealing with this in your own life, maybe there's a threshold beyond which it's not going to get better. It's not going to be magically fixed. And I remember Jack Nicholson's character asks, what if this is as good as it gets? What if I have to deal with this reality the rest of my life? And I actually think about that question in my own life fairly regularly, because sometimes you can get caught up in your own pity parties. Um, and movies at their best, I think, have a way of of reminding us of things that that we lose sight of. And, and so that's another one that really has been a significant one for me. Well, and that's such a good, for those of us that are kingdom-minded, that question just sets up, you know, the gospel so well. What if this is as good as it gets down here right now on earth, you know? And and, you know, sadly, for many people, that is as good as it gets. Yeah. You know, these little fleeting moments we have right here. And what a great opportunity to talk about something much better that Jesus offers. So, I love that thought. And, and I think it's absolutely right. I, we live in such a consumerist society. And I think here in America, we have lived such good lives for the most part that the, we think that we deserve certain things in our lives. We yeah. think we see how things should be. And very rarely in our lives do do things measure up to that. Yeah. And and these movies help us process that that reality. It's yeah. it's beautiful in its own way, but but it is an important reality to come to grips with. The other thing that I wanted to mention before before we move on is some of these movies that we're talking about are pretty gritty. I mean, yeah. they're they yep. have some some big content issues. But when we're talking about these realistic movies that deal with realistic problems, the content, at least for me, feels more justifiable. You know, oftentimes when you see... Or at least in a realistic context. Exactly. Not a gratuitous context. That's exactly right. I think that, that so many movies that we review, they have a lot of gratuity to them. A lot of these movies have harsh content, and you need to be aware of that. Just because it's it's not gratuitous doesn't mean that it, it, you can give it necessarily a pass when you're watching it. But at the same time, it does illustrate some some hard truths about the, the realities that we walk through. Well, I think this has been a terrific conversation today because these are movies that we might not tend to gravitate toward. And I think 
it probably is somewhat dependent upon our personalities too. Paul knows that I love movies like this and I'm not sure what that says about me. Uh, I tend to resist movies that give me simplistic answers and, you know, try to convince me that things are better than they are because I know better. But at the same time, I think that sometimes we got to be in the right frame of mind <laughs> to really be able to receive what a movie on a hard subject has to offer. But it could be that some of the movies that we've talked about today uh, could be helpful for you with where you're at. And, and maybe just in terms of processing emotions, giving you a springboard for conversation with family members, uh, or just, you know, dealing with the sense of loss and grief and disappointment that naturally comes with these hard things. And I think as Jonathan was talking about, I think that they can also lead us into a deeper connection with God personally and with our fellow humanity, maybe with others that we know who are struggling with certain things. I think the right story can unlock the door to important conversations that we need to have. But as Paul was saying, we always want to engage actively and intentionally with the stories we watch on screen discerning truth and responding with wisdom when ideas veer away from what we know is right and true and good. So what about you? Are there movies that maybe God has used in your life to help you deal with difficult issues or, or ones that really have just helped you to see some of these struggles in a new way? We would love to hear from you about that. And you can let us know on Facebook or Instagram or shoot us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com. Well, as always, we hope this episode of The Plugged In Show is a catalyst for you to go deeper in your relationships, in your relationship with God, and your understanding of pop culture. So to thank you for being a part of The Plugged In Show family, today for a gift of any amount, we would love to send you a copy of the book we've been talking about, Paul Acey's brand new book on depression, Beauty in the Browns, Walking with Christ in the Darkness of Depression. Paul, is there anything else you want to tell us about your new book? Because it just came out last week, right? That's right. It was a, it's been a long process. You know, writing a book of any type is always a challenge, and this one was particularly challenging because these are not issues that, that I feel comfortable talking with, and, yeah. and it's not something that a lot of people want to, to, to really discuss, even if they deal with it, it deeply. Um, so hopefully it'll help some people down the road. It's a very personal journey. Um, thank you so much for your kind words, Jonathan. Um, hopefully it'll help some people. Uh, I, I meant them. It's great. It's an, it's an amazing read. Yeah, it is. Well, if that sounds like something that would resonate with where you're at right now, you'll find a link to order that book as well as links to everything else we've talked about here today in our plugged in blog entry for this week's episode. On behalf of our entire team, I want to say thanks so much for listening today. And we look forward to connecting with you again next week for another episode of The Plugged In Show. <laughs>